I I I uh, compare the game to chicken pox. Life goal achieved, you know. everyone and welcome to another episode of the waffling tailors podcast this is like the ninth one we've recorded this week and squidge is slowly dying of um not being able to speak disease throat sure exhaustion i like disease. to call it oh, okay well i mean i'm not dr mario so i'm not really an actual doctor so you can't really blame me um but yes so we've got squidge with us but we've also got uh andrew dickinson who's uh written the who's soon to to be writing Soon to be writing, we'll come up to it in a minute. The sequel to uh, Dreamcast Year One. Um, I don't know whether you've started writing it or not, but we'll come to that in a moment if that's all right. But, yeah. But first, I need to say it because I say it all the time. Hello, Squidgy. Hello, Squidgy. Touchdown. Hello, Squidgy. Oh, you got the touchdown. Okay, fair enough. Um, how are you, Squidgy? I'm not bad. Uh, good, good. Hello, Andrew. I'm sorry I delayed your intro there, but uh, <laughs> hello. Funny. There. hello. <laughs> <laughs> how are you today andrew <laughs> yeah pretty good thank you it's my one day off in like a two-week period so i've been cramming it full of stuff to do like you do you know you have one day off and rather than relax you just cram it full of all the stuff you can't do when you're working so uh yeah that's that's been my day today <laughs> you do that in the hopes that the to-do list for the rest of the week will be pretty empty and then you realize oh no i need to do all of these other things as well <laughs> yep <laughs> pretty much <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. That's that's kind of been my life for the last few weeks. Just like get all the to do list things out of the way, and then hopefully at some point I can sit and play some video games. But I, that's not to be yet. But we'll come on to that in a moment. But yes, um, so we're going to be talking to Andrew about the the new uh, the new book that he's going to be writing, has written, has started on. I guess we'll ask him in a moment. Uh, Dreamcast Year Two, which is sort of like the sequel. The Dreamcast Year One. Now, if you're an astute listener who's been with us for a while, you'll realize that Andrew was on the podcast not that long ago, episode 73, when uh, we asked him to come on and talk to us about Dreamcast Year One. That was after the Kickstarter and pretty much towards, um, I think I think I ordered my copy um, after the Kickstarter. So that's when I got in touch with Andrew. I was like, right, let's talk. Let's talk Turkey. Let's talk Dreamcast. But uh, we're now, hopefully, uh, this is going to go out if we've planned it out properly and I've done my homework properly, this is going to go out two to three days ahead of the public Kickstarter uh, for the book. I know that there's a preview. We'll include the preview in the show notes. And then when it ticks over to become the live one, I'll go back and change the show notes so that it points at the live one. Um, that way you can click through and have a look. So um, if you are listening now, whatever day you're listening to it on, because podcasts are all on demand, click through to the show notes and check out the full link to the, um, the Kickstarter because there's some you know, wonderful little, uh, stretch, not stretch goals. They're not, what are they called? Backer, um, yeah, pledge uh, perks. Yeah, pledge Backer perks, perks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. So there's some wonderful perks on that, um, which we'll come on to in a moment, but, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. But I guess first, before we get into any of that, I'd like to talk about what we've all been playing recently, if that's okay with you guys. 
um, because cool. that's something I'm very interested in because I'm always looking for new games to try out and finding out what people have been playing and you're all awesome so you've probably been playing something really cool so who wants to go first oh yeah. so we're gonna kick yeah okay so we'll kick it over to Andrew first so <laughs> what have you been playing recently <laughs> Ooh, well um I got so t- I haven't had a chance to play it yet, so this will be very brief. But today, I, today I got F one twenty twenty. I'm fairly new to uh, the F one sport, but I'm really enjoying it. Um, and I've been playing twenty nineteen with a few people. So twenty twenty's come out. I think I've had like half of a race because I did really badly and just threw the controller away and decided I'll try it later. Um, <laughs> but, um, turning the controller in your hands, yeah, like, uh, like your yeah, dad yeah. when your dad would like turn his whole body to move. Yeah, um, I used to do that all the time. I, I do that still. I do. It's it's a pro move. Anyone that doesn't do that ain't going to win. Simple. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's necessary. You have to do it. Yeah. You know. Um, but yeah, so I've not really played much of it. But the game that I've been playing much more is um, The Last of Us Part Two. Mm-hmm. which um if if my friends um are correct have led me to believe I'm about half halfway through so I'm about 15 hours into it um and that game is excellent um very intense um but yeah excellent excellent game very good and I've I've done really well because I've not managed to spoil anything yet. Like there's been so many spoilers, um, and I've been really careful <laughs> not to see any. And then just before the game came out, I kind of banned all those words from my Twitter feed. Like, like you know, <laughs> even even to the fact I banned the word Joel, I banned the word Ellie. So if there's anybody called Joel or Ellie <laughs> in my feed, I will have not seen you for a long time. <laughs> so. That is necessary, isn't it? Right? I'll it tell is, you something. Yeah. Right. I've managed to get this far without even playing the first one or knowing anything about the first one. Yeah. I know that that, because we talked about it on the pod before. I think we were talking to, I want to say we were talking to G or Mm -hmm. unaffiliated Jay-Z about it before. Uh, We call him unaffiliated Jay-Z because he's not the real Jay-Z, obviously. Um, And, you know, Squidge had said, oh, there's this scene at the beginning and it's really intense. And I was like, okay, yeah, I know what happens at the beginning then. That's literally all I know. I haven't played any of them because I don't have a PlayStation 4, you see. So I'm going to have to wait until lockdown eases, go around to Squidge's house and play them all. I've already got Final Fantasy VII on my list of stuff to play because he's finished (laughs) that recently. um, And this will date the recording. Um, At the time of recording yesterday, Squidge and a friend of the show Lulu sat together and they recorded a three and a half hour long chat about the ending of the Final Fantasy VII Remake so yeah so there's FF7 Remake Last of Us and Last of Us 2 that are on my list to play but I need to go around to that reprobate's house to be able to do it (laughs) (laughs) and they're worth playing I mean I I was really I I was really terrible so The Last of Us is a seven year old game at this point so the fact that you've managed to not know anything about it for seven years is pretty good going but I've done pretty well as well because I started it probably a year after it came out I borrowed like my friend's PS3 copy um but then I got so far and I was like I is this going to take me a while because at the time I was really busy with other things and I was like, I don't want to keep his game forever so I kind of got halfway through and sent it back thinking oh, I'll buy myself a copy and I waited and obviously they brought out The Last of Us Remastered on PS4 so I bought it on there but then I had to start again. Obviously, you can't bring your save file over from the PS3. So I started again, and it was a little bit of a slog. It was It's still enjoyable, but because I'd already played it, I was like, oh, I want to see new things. Um, so it took me <laughs> forever. And it actually, I only completed The Last of Us about 
three weeks ago. So I, I kind of knew that it was coming, like The Last of Us 2 is coming. And I was like, I, I should probably finish this game now. Really. So, <laughs> um, so I did. I was quite, I was quite like, I'm recently, I'm really bad with completing games. The only game I've completed uh, recently is Resident Evil 3 uh, Remake. Mm. And so I was, uh, I was like, well, I'm actually going to sit down and I'm just going to have a weekend of no work. And I just sat down and I played it, even the Left Behind DLC played the entire thing and i was like right i've done that i can start to now um and i was quite pleased i did because it's such a good game so yeah mm. good good yeah like i say i haven't managed to, to play it yet i think i've also got i want to finish resident evil 2 remake and start resident evil 3 remake because mm-hmm. i got part way through the the remake of the second one and we recorded a a weird episode where it was me and squidge and i'm trying to play some of the dlc I think we released both of them. I don't know, but it's just like the sound effects of me playing, which was not very good. It's not very engrossing audio, but yeah, they're on my list of things to finish. Mm. And I've got a whole bunch of stuff on the switch. I'm still doing the one in one out on my switch, which is getting harder and harder to do because, um, well, because I've got, uh, I've got so much work to do, but like the switch is, for, for for reference, we're using a whole bunch of different hardware. I'm sat in front of my laptop, and what less than six inches from my laptop is my switch, <laughs> and this is my workstation. So it's like, yeah, I want to play? No, I want to play. So yeah, um, yeah. So there's a whole bunch of stuff on my list that I just haven't been able to play. But yes. So is it? Is it? I don't want to say is it just those games, but is there anything else you've been sort of tinkering with recently? Um, I'm trying to think. Um, oh, another game that I... So, um, obviously, I'm on uh, the Switch Island podcast, which has just recently changed brands to the cross-players um, because we want to focus on a bit more than just the Switch because there's so much going on in gaming right now and we all have, like, different consoles and different loves. Um, and Ben, uh, Benji Kong, over over there, has only had a Switch for years. Like, he, since the Switch came out, he's not really had any other console. He's got, like, a Dreamcast that he occasionally gets out, um, but nothing modern. And uh, he's been kind of umming and ahhing about getting a PS5 when it comes out. And as it transpired, I think he got, like, a bonus at work, which was, like, a voucher for Curry's. And he was like, oh, you know, I'll, uh, you know, sod, sod buying a washing machine or something. I'm going to buy a game console. <laughs> <laughs> and he ran a poll like, should I should I just like save this for the PS5 or should I just buy a PS4 right now? Because he had enough that he could buy like a PS4 outright with it. And um, everybody said, wait, wait for PS5. Wait, it's not that long. Wait for PS5. And there was me and like a few other people who were like the gremlins in the background going, if you get a PS4 now, you've got like a few months of really good games that you could play. And then maybe you could trade in for a PS5 later. Um, and it turns out he listened to us. So he's now got a PS4. <laughs> <laughs> winging its way to him um and um one of the games he's really excited to play is spider-man which yeah. i've had since christmas my friend bought me the game of the year edition for christmas and i haven't touched it and him being very excited to play it i decided yeah, i'll get it out so i installed it and i've played a good couple of hours of it now and it is a very very good game it's uh you know it's it's one of those open world type games like in a similar vein to assassin's creed or you know far cry but marvel and and being able to swing around new york as spider-man and so it it does the open world thing very well i think and it's uh, it's just a really good example of that type of game and it's a very very good spider-man game and there's only a handful of those so yeah when when I played that, when I got it, because a friend of mine said, you should play a Spider-Man game. He he, he got it and beasted it 100% and what have you. I ended up putting um, sticky notes all around the monitor with the controls. <laughs> oh, really? 
because one button could be like five separate controls in different situations. So I was putting sticky notes mm-hmm. all over the place and the wall behind it so I could just look up ever so quickly because I kept forgetting the controls. <laughs> There's that many of them. <laughs> There's post-it notes everywhere. <laughs> yeah, again, it's it's not one I've had a chance to play yet. Again, sans PlayStation, but mm-hmm. when the PS5 comes out, the PS4s are going to drop in price, so maybe that's the ticket. I never buy a console on launch, and I would always advise people never to buy a console on launch, but they, they, you do what you want with your money, right? Um, there's always going to be bugs. There's always going to be problems. But that being said, PS4 will drop in price. Maybe I'll get one then and play all these games. But I do know that um, with the Spider-Man, uh, that the open world Spider-Man game. Um, I remember we were talking to Michael Herman, the the sort of creative producer of um, Retromania Wrestling. And he'd said, oh yeah, I remember sitting down with, with my son and he was showing me how to play it. And an hour later, he'd finished showing me and handed me the controller. And I'm like, uh... <laughs> Just because like, apparently the controls are so complex in places. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But yeah, yeah. that's all I know. I found it okay. Like it, it does a good job of introducing things slowly. I think like it's it's kind of yeah it's it's not thrown it doesn't throw you in the deep end. Well, it does to begin with, but mm. in it but it it's meant to be really like visceral and you kind of not sure what's going on in the in the opening. It's like just throws you into a, a situation like oh crap, and then after that it kind of goes okay. Well, we'll slow it down now. And we'll just give you like little bits to do here and there. But yeah, I, I agree with Squidge. Like the controls, like after a while, like I in fights especially, I'm like, and what do I press now? And like these two buttons do like a super attack and then and then i have to switch to this this other gadget that i've got by going to the wheel and then use it i was like oh it's like yeah it's it gets really confusing after a bit i I think playing that game what would be handy is if you had like all your controls on your pad and you had a giant mouse scroll wheel next to choose your gadgets and stuff (laughs) so you could just go there we are well didn't the ps3 have that touchpad could they not have kept that and used that does the ps4 have the touchpad ps4 has the touchpad yeah they didn't have it for ps3 it was they introduced the gyro controls to ps3 didn't they where you could do that and right six axis yeah that's the one gyro six sit there and turn the controller like a wheel there was there was a few racing games that did that actually Mm. fair enough fair enough okay um, so, uh, what have you been playing then, Squidge? Have you been playing anything since we last recorded? You mean since yesterday? Um, I've, <laughs> I've just been, um, finishing off stuff Diablo 3 latest season. That's pretty much it. <laughs> trying to, trying to chill and rest my voice for more, yeah. more pod work, you know. Yeah, so, to shooter, chilly, clicky, clicky. Well, not clicky, clicky, because you're probably on the Switch on that, right? Well, yeah, I am finishing off on the Switch, then I'm going to the, the Xbox version. You know, yeah, I was going to say, it's keep one up of them. to date with two separate versions of the game. Why not? You know, it is. It's one of them games that you have multiple copies of, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> like Skyrim and Oblivion and, and all the rest of them that keeps getting re released. It's, it's kind of like Diablo 3 is kind of like GTA 5 for me. I get every single one. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see they've just announced Skyrim for the PS5? Oh, you kidding. No, which is ridiculous because Skyrim's on the PS4 and it will be backwards compatible with, with the PS5. So why release another version? Like seriously, and it's um, I think it was seventy euro, which is something like it was, it's around about it's going to be around about sixty quid, sixty sixty five quid. It's because a fool and their money. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> True, and well. I'll I'll go out on a limb now saying that all the bugs will still be in, of course, because mm-hmm. they're. they're expected. So all the secret chests you can access, all the, the ways you can level up quickly, will all be in there. 
if Bethesda ever managed to release a game without bugs, that will be the day that I eat my hat. <laughs> or rather, I go to the shop, buy a hat, and then eat it. <laughs> no, it'll end up eating my hat, so I don't want them to fix it because I'm attached to my hat. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what they're my... going to add, though. Like, what can they add to make it... Like, is, is it literally just going to be ray tracing? Are they going to add ray tracing to Skyrim and just go, look, ray tracing, <laughs> have it for the PS5, and that's it? Or are they going to add, like, actual other things to it? I don't know. I don't know. I've I've got a sneaking suspicion that they might try and pull some of what Square did. So when they released Final Fantasy VII, not the remake, but the original on Steam, they took a load of fan-created mods, claimed them as their own, and uh. said, we've just upped the stuff. No, people created them and you're using it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a feeling. I mean, they, they should fix, just first and foremost, fix the bugs. Make sure it doesn't overheat. Make sure it doesn't sound like the PS5 is taking off, mm-hmm. like Last of Us 2 does on the PS4. Because <laughs> I know that does. It's the loudest game. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Spider Man's not, it's pretty terrible as well. Like, I actually um, was playing it the other day and I'd only been playing it for 30 minutes. And my other half came downstairs and kind of looked at me and looked at the PlayStation and said, You need to turn that off. That sounds like it's going to melt. I was <laughs> like, but I've only been playing for 30 minutes. I want to play more. And he's like, That doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> there's an argument for squeezing as much power out of the CPU as possible. And there's an argument for being able to fry an egg on your console. It's like, where do you sit in that balance? Yeah. I saw a picture of a guy, he had a, he set up his PS4 for like The Last of Us Part 2, it was a picture on the net, and he'd he'd done it so that he got a mini fridge and he put the PS4 inside of that and shut the door. And he'd ramped it up so it was like a freezer in there, So and it was still that loud, even though he cooled it all down. It, it, wow. it was just a little video anyway, and this is what it sounds like. It's, it's, it's still loud. And he shut the door again. Wow. Oh, well. <laughs> wow. Did you see, because you brought up um, Square putting the uh, the the user-made mods into Final Fantasy VII, did you see that Bandai Namco got into, I don't want to say a little bit of trouble, um, but what they'd done was they'd released one of their collections, I think on the Switch they'd released, and they've gone, hey, hey there's this new version of uh, Pac-Man for the NES that we've just demaked. So a demake is the opposite of a remake, right? So a remake, you take an old game, make it in new hardware. Demake, you take a game and make it specifically for old hardware. And they were like, look, we've made this and it's amazing. And they talked to, you know, the producer and they did all this uh, talking around the, the, the uh, doing all the press circuit and said, yeah, we've made this, we've made this. And what they've actually done is they've taken a ROM from the web that someone made in 2008 stuck it onto their cartridge and we yeah yeah we made this we made this we really did oops wow <laughs> it's, it's weird though isn't it because is, is that because it's their intellectual property do they just claim that it's theirs because it's using their intellectual property regardless of whether they did the work or not is that it did they think they could get away with it because that's the case because technically the law would be on their side right because it's not the the, the the person who made it made it without the express consent i'm guessing of uh, Bandai Namco so it's basically that what they're doing I'm, I'm not saying I agree with what they've done at all but what I'm saying is that they've they've kind of given that guy's work a platform probably should have credited him but at least they've not like taken him to court and like you know for using their their property it's it's yeah it's it's a minefield all this stuff like all the fan-made stuff is a minefield whether the either it gets cancelled it gets um appropriated like you've just said for for somebody else's use or people completely just ignore it so mm-hmm. i don't know why people make fan-made <laughs> games of like other properties it never never turns out that well really 
Well, I think, um, so talking about the fan-made stuff, there is, uh, you know, the, the Streets of Rage remake, the unofficial Streets of Rage remake, and how Streets of Rage 4 has essentially the same feature set. Mm. There's, a, there's not a huge amount of crossover, but there's a lot of things in Streets of Rage 4 that are taken directly from the remake. Well, the original developer of Streets of Rage remake has kind of stepped back and gone, I can no longer have anything to do with this. And the, the leading theory is perhaps because he was hired by .mu, to make Streets of Rage 4 because wow. no one knows his real name. They don't know what to look out for in the credits. <laughs> wow. So it can like um it can be used as a way to get a, a job in the business if you want to get mm-hmm. a job in the business. Like kinda uh, like um that reminds me of when people were um going all out to jailbreak PSPs mm-hmm. and Sony went, right, okay, you're working for us because mm-hmm. you know it works and you can stop other people in the future. So a mm-hmm. guy who went all out to try and put homebrew stuff on a PSP got a job for Sony just because he thought, oh, can I jailbreak this? How do I do this? And he realized it was super easy to do. Well, I mean, um, the biggest problem with that was when Ken Kutagari stood on stage and said in Japanese, this is an impenetrable fortress of security. <laughs> never, never say that. Never say that. I mean, I remember when the Xbox 360 yeah, the Xbox 360 was hacked. And I was watching this uh, presentation and the guy giving the presentation was like, I just want to run Linux on it because it's a really powerful computer. And he said, you know, pirates are, are not as intelligent as the Linux folks because I just want to run Linux on this computer. Um, and he went through this really detailed description of how he'd done it. And essentially, the uh, the security key was stored in 64 bits, except... The um, the Xbox only did anything with the first 32 bits. So if you could inject something in the final 32 bits that told the Xbox to do something else, and the first 32 bits still passed the security check, you've got the system wide open to you. And that's all they did. It's just okay. like, the, I said, that's all they did. But, you know, it's yeah. a lot more complex than that. Um, they just changed the, the ending then. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> But with the um, with the things like um, uh, like the person who's written this um, Pac Man game, it, there's there's actually a bit of a history of making mods for games and getting into the industry. Like Team Fortress was a a company, a company, a community created mod for Half Life, and then Valve went, "Hey, you guys are doing something awesome. Why don't you come work for us?" So there is so, sort of precedent for it, but yeah. I feel like it's more of an American company thing to do rather than it doesn't seem to be that way in 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 Japan. I don't, I don't think. Yeah, it's a bit of a minefield. Depends what you what what kind of if if you like a Japanese game or a game where the uh, company is quite litigious and really doesn't want you to do anything, then you're you're yeah you're in trouble. So you've got to yeah. pick basically pick and choose what games you're gonna <laughs> what properties you're gonna use. <laughs> yeah, or indeed just create it for yourself and yeah. Or that just keep it for yourself, I guess, you know, mm. but there you go. Um, but yes, all of that is a really big, long diversion that I've taken to try and stop anyone from going, hang on, Jim, you haven't told us what you've been playing recently. Um, <laughs> and you know, my list of games I've been playing recently are very short. I'll bring them up in the same order that I brought them up in the, the other recording we did earlier this week. And that's, uh, I've been playing a lot of the Ace Attorney trilogy on the Switch because I absolutely love those first three, at least first three released in the West. Ace Attorney games, the Phoenix Wright trilogy, they're brilliant. Um, I think I played the fourth one what, and Apollo didn't Justice. really like it. Yeah, I didn't really like Apollo Justice as a character, so I was like, eh. Uh, but I really like those first three. And that soundtrack, my goodness. All he's saying uh, is that he doesn't like waistcoats. Maybe that's Phoenix it, Wright yeah. is in a full suit with a jacket. Apollo Justice is in a shirt and tie and like a, a red waistcoat. 
He doesn't like is, waistcoats. That's all is it is. Apollo Justice the one with the visor? No, that's one of the that's that's one of the bad guys, isn't it? One of the um, prosecution attorneys in the original in the I first game. Remember. I don't remember. But yeah, we're playing that. Um, and Hybrid Heaven on the N64 and Resident Evil 2 on the N64. Because, I mean, that, that game is a technological marvel. Just the fact that they got that game on there is just, it's a, it's wonderful. <laughs> that and uh, a few weeks ago, we, he, that, that reprobate there traveled down to Cakeland and we did like, a de- we had a picnic, like social distancing and stuff. And I literally chucked him a USB N64 pad and I said, here, play yes. it properly. Yes. <laughs> as long as That's you haven't wiped cool. that memory card. <laughs> yeah, he's wiped the memory card. Yeah, I thought so. Oh, it's, it's one of those third-party ones where you've got like, uh, it's like two-in-one memory card, one and memory card two. And if you, it's oh, a little switch at the back. For. If you right. switch it while it's on, it wipes both memory cards. <laughs> I haven't touched the buttons. So, okay. I mean, I've touched the buttons at the front of the controller, but I haven't touched the, there's a little switch and I haven't touched it. Um, I've got a distinct yeah. feeling it won't wipe next episode. <laughs> yeah, right. Join us next week to find out whether I've broken his controller or not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. But yeah, that's, that's essentially all that I've been playing. Should, um, should we get back to the script? <laughs> There's a script? Oh, goodness. (laughs) But yes, so we've talked about that, but we're going to now talk about Dreamcast Year 2. Now, I'm going to hopefully... I'm going to hopefully uh, not ask you to give away the whole... We're not going to sit here and narrate the book, right? It's not, it's not <laughs> pretty giving you a reading. <laughs> yeah, right? Because then nobody has to buy the book, so we're not going to... Chapter one. <laughs> <laughs> Acknowledgements. No, um, it's just to say- my monocle. Are you sitting comfortably? Yeah. <laughs> 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 So yeah, so obviously Dreamcast Year One is sort of a sequel book of sorts. I guess it would be a sequel because it covers the next year um, from uh, Dreamcast Year One, which was an amazing success, I have to say. Um, and and so the first thing I want to ask is like, no, the first thing I want to say is congratulations on you know Dreamcast Year One being such a huge success because it really was. Um, and like, did you did you expect when you were first writing it that a year on, a year and a half on, uh, I've kind of lost track of time at this point because every day is the same, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> did you expect that by this point people would still be reaching out to you and saying, hey, can I buy a copy of the book? Did you expect that? Or was it just like, here's like 100 copies getting printed? And <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of went, yeah. I, I was kind of expecting it just to kind of be it. So like people who backed on the Kickstarter would have it and maybe I'd get a little bit of interest here and there from people who talked about it on Twitter. Um but yeah, it's. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I sold a decent amount of copies after um, it printed. So uh, you know, I only printed so many. So um, I thought oh, I'll have some spare. Um, as it turns out, I have no spares left at all. The only copies I have left are damaged copies, and I really don't like. I, I try not to sell damaged things because I I wouldn't want a damaged copy. So all of the good copies are gone. <laughs> Like I, I only have four left, which are mine. I keep I keep four <laughs> copies myself. I think I've looked um, everywhere, and so this is a, an admission now. And I, I wonder if somebody's going to find it. I did have um, like we did a test print of about five copies, I think, before we'd finalised everything. So there's spelling mistakes, there's things that we changed, there's images that we've changed, and I kept one. And for the life of me, I can't find it. And I have a feeling that I sent it to somebody <laughs> instead of an actual. <laughs> 
book. Um, so if you have that copy and you're listening to this, please let me know. <laughs> send it back and I'll send you an actual copy. Because um, I really want, I, I, I like having like the test print for some reason. It's, it's kind of nice. And I, I, because there was so much interest, I was kind of like scouring my house for all the copies that I had left, like under the beds, like, you know, w- what was on the bookshelf that I kind of kept to one side. And yeah, it just must have got picked up with a bunch of other books and sent out <laughs> to somebody. So apologies for that, whoever got that copy. It's still fine. It's just not the best copy of the book. So um, yeah, <laughs> let me know if you have that one and I'll send you a proper one. <laughs> Uh, that's amazing. That's that, I really like that. Um, but yeah, so it's it's amazing. Did the what about the the sort of I don't know? Did you have any people internationally asking for it as well? Like, I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, Bernie, I suppose, will have a copy. But like, mm-hmm. people in the states going, "Hey, can I get a copy of the book? And can you somehow airmail it to me?" What, what, yeah, that, I mean, and that was a problem. So that, yeah, I did have that. And um, the problem being is that, so that kind of came, I obviously put people from abroad back the Kickstarter and that was great. So I already had that factored in. And then a bunch of people um, wanted it, you know, after it printed from like America. Um, I think there was people in Germany, Australia, basically all over the world, which is great, except that it coincided with the lockdown. So while I can post books by, by the local post box, I couldn't really readily get to the post office to post things abroad. So I had like a stack of books that I was basically having to keep to one side for these people who had ordered abroad. I was like, I'll send it to you as soon as lockdown's over. And then lockdown kept getting extended and extended. And I was like, I'll send it soon, I promise. So literally, it was beginning of this week, I managed to send out um, the international orders that I'd kind of built up. Um so that, that's all done now. So I've actually finished sending books this week. That's that's all of my Dreamcast Year One uh, stock gone, depleted, finished. Um, so I'm uh, yeah, I'm done. And yeah, but it was it was interesting that people from different like I can understand Australia because they had um they had a very similar experience to us they were pal pal territory so they had the same boxes as us and stuff so they had similar nostalgia to us but it's quite interesting people from America because a lot of the books about the Dreamcast and a lot of the stuff that's been written about it has come from an American perspective so they've already got a lot of stuff so uh, written about the Dreamcast so it was interesting there was a few people who were like oh well I've never heard of it from you know the European perspective, and that's kind of why they were interested in 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 buying it and reading it. And uh, somebody came back to me the other day who got their copy in America and was like, "That was like I didn't realize this this you know different stuff happened in Europe than in America." Um, so it was yeah, it's it's been cool to have people outside of the UK, Europe, Australia, kind of being interested in the book and finding out more about what what happened to the Dreamcast outside of the states. So. Mm. Awesome. Awesome. So then did, I guess, did the, did the sort of the size of the Dreamcast fan base that reached out to you, did that shock you? Did that like, oh my goodness, there's these millions of, maybe not millions, I don't know, but millions of people (laughs) wanting to know all about Dreamcast. Was that something that you were wholly prepared for? (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, you look at place, so, um, the Dreamcast junkyard, which is a place that I um, now also uh, work. <laughs> say work, it's not work, um, but it's somewhere that I contribute to. And they have um, the biggest Facebook um, group for Dreamcast fans online. And it's kind of, I think it's gone over 16,000 followers now. 
Wow. So that in itself, you know, I, when we were doing the Kickstarter, I'd post that quite regularly to let them know things were coming. So I knew that there was a lot of people interested. Uh, but the fact that that's kept growing, like in the last year, that's it was 15,000 when I wrote the book. It's gone to 16,000. So in the space of a year, another thousand people have joined it. Um, and just there's more groups popping up all the time that for people who have that you know the nostalgia for the dreamcast or people who are just discovering it like i found that there's a lot of people who are literally either they weren't born when the dreamcast came out and they're now discovering it as a as a retro console and they're like oh you know i'm super cool because like i found out about the dreamcast you know it's like <laughs> the, the hipster thing is a dreamcast becoming a hipster icon um but it's it, it's pretty awesome though because there's all these people who uh, they, they they either were just you know they were just like toddlers or babies when the dreamcast came out or they weren't even born and now they've got this console that actually means quite it means quite a lot in terms of gaming history and they're discovering it and therefore stuff like my book and other things that are coming out are kind of giving them that kind of window into a history that they didn't experience themselves firsthand so i quite like that that's happening but i also really like that it's it's nostalgia for a lot of people as well who were there at the time and they can kind of look back and look at it from a different perspective as well um yeah so big community for sure yeah and that that's that's the thing that kind of shocked me right because like when i got my dreamcast it would have been 2000 2001 something like that it was like a christmas present and it was like here's a dreamcast and some games because you like sega stuff mm-hmm. and <laughs> I absolutely i fell in love with it and just like um you know i remember i remember going into game station um, and buying Fantasy Star Online and, and saying to the guy, if I, because we don't have the internet, can I play this offline? He's like, mm-hmm. but if you can't, just bring it back tomorrow. I was like, okay. And that's just standard Game Station response, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> if you ask anybody in Game Station a question, <laughs> you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh dear yeah, so deep cuts <laughs> that's it right? I, I remember I remember bringing it home and I was like this game is amazing and it was like the first proper um, action RPG that I'd ever actually played properly you know and it was just absolutely wonderful and then like I got Sonic Adventures Sonic Adventure 2 and then uh, Shadow Man and had to return it because I bought somehow bought the German version and then um yeah, I remember. You know, wonderful. Like, I love playing. The, this is one of the consoles I love going back to. You know, I've got. Um, uh, well, you would I, if you still had it. It's here. Yes. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's a um, mindless. I've, I've forgotten the name of the, the, the emulator that I use on my computer, but I've got it there. Every time I, like, if I ever have to wipe my computer, that's the first thing that gets installed because I can't, I can't, like, I can't sit here and not have it, right? I have to have something Dreamcast related in my life. And I think you're right. I think it, it maybe came at a special time for a lot of people, and uh, and just the the quality of the games. Those arcade, it was arcade perfect. Yeah, Excuse me, in my opinion, yeah, with um, you know, Soul Calibur and uh, Power Stone and things like that. it was literally like having an arcade machine at home. Excellent. And you also so, had that integration from the memory cards as well, where you yes. could do certain things to unlocking games, but you didn't realize that you were going to wipe. The battery, which could get rid of your save files, which we found out the hard way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if yes, it beeps, uh, back up the save file, replace the memory, uh, replace the battery, and then put it back. Don't just let it keep beeping because it will end where yeah. After sinking like 120 plus hours into a character on Fantasy Star Online, and then you switch it on, it's like, wait, where's the character? Where, no, no, that, that wasn't your reaction. I'll tell you what no, your, no, what your no, reaction that's, was. That's the censored reaction, is what yeah. that is. <laughs> His reaction was, what have you done to my memory card? 
Why has it been wiped? Have you created a character on this? <laughs> no. I've got my own memory card. You've wiped it, haven't you? No. <laughs> Why would I that wipe your memory the, card? That's the brother. That's the brotherly response, really, isn't it? Like exactly. you blame the other straight away. That's exactly what me and my brother did. Yeah. I think we we had <laughs> yeah. I think we had that problem with Final Fantasy VII, and I think somebody saved over a, a Final Fantasy VII save, and uh, yeah, there was there was there was a lot of anger, uh, a lot of anger. Yeah. Tears before bedtime <laughs> and bruises, probably. Yeah, so we've mentioned earlier on uh, today, earlier on today, we mentioned earlier on in the episode that, you know, we're hoping to get this episode out shortly before the Kickstarter campaign goes live. I don't know whether that's the actual term for when a Kickstarter campaign becomes a campaign. It's currently in preview. So if you're listening to this on the day that the episode drops or for the next two days, I think, um, you can totally go to the preview and make suggestions for anything that like maybe there's a typo or maybe there's a better screenshot that you know of, I guess. Um, I'm not trying to put words into Andrew's mouth, but obviously... (laughs) You know, you can check out the preview if you're here early enough or just go straight to the uh, the campaign. But for people who are listening and, and maybe they're driving, maybe they're walking, maybe they're doing something that requires them to not happen to not happen to be able to go to the website. Could you give us like a 10,000 foot view of the kinds of things you're going to cover in the book? Yeah. Um so it's it's very similar to the first book in terms of content. Um, obviously, just a year ahead. Um, but in terms of what, <laughs> there you go. That's it. I'm done. Um, no, so roll credits. <laughs> T- taking the FIFA approach. <laughs> yeah, just, it's just a year on. It's the same thing. Um, <laughs> see, it's it is it's it's the same. Um, in terms of it will feature story. It'll feature interviews. It'll feature retrospectives. There'll be the library section at the back, which I'm very daunted by because there's like triple the amount of games this year, and the last time was bad enough to get all those games and all the release dates right. Um, although I'm I'm employing a researcher this time to help me so that I'm not kind of on my own, kind of trying to figure the dates out. Um, so yeah, so it'll be that, but the story this time will be um, the, the second year was when. Dreamcast was at its best. I think most would argue there was the best games came out that year. Fancy Star Online, Shenmue. Um, trying to think of others off the top of my head now. I should have kind of left it to one side. I've, Hang on, I've, I've got, got the project open in front of me. I've yeah. got a list. I can just shout names out. Go for so, it. Radio. So you've got like, um, you had uh, Jet Set Radio or Jet Grind Radio, depending on what region you're in. You had Fair Fighters. <laughs> You had uh, Echo the Dolphin. You had Marvel vs. Mm-hmm. Capcom 1 and 2, I think, the same year. Yeah. You had things like uh, Power Stone 1 and 2, Quake 3, which was really interesting. My personal favourite of... Well, second personal favourite of all time, which is Raid to Rumble Boxing Round 2. You had mm-hmm. both Tony Hawk's games. You had Space Channel 5. You had Zombies Revenge. I played the crap out of that completely. <laughs> Urban Chaos, Shenmue, you know, The Grinch, which was a Konami game. I couldn't believe that when I read it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you had things like um, Dino Crisis, you had Resident Evil games, where at least one of them was re-released in that year. Um, yeah, Choo Choo Rocket. Mm-hmm. Is it Choo Choo Rocket? Yeah. Game. Yep, first online game. And then, you know, you had stuff like Dead or Alive. There's a couple of racing games, some fighting games, you know. Mm-hmm. Metropolis Street Racer, which that guy loved. Um, yeah, it's an amazing game. Only because you realised how to cheese a lot of it very quickly. Um, <laughs> so th- there was quite a lot released. It was definitely, the, the the second year of it was definitely where a lot of the most memorable titles came from. 
Again, yeah, never buy a console on launch. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, to be fair though, the Dreamcast had a great launch. Like there were some, like you, you could play Soul Calibur for an entire year. Like that would that came out just after launch, but you could play that for the entire year and it'd be fine. Same with Power Stone. Um, but yeah, there's there's so many huge games, um, and that's kind of the, the I think the theme of the book. Um, so I think you've seen some of the artwork from uh, Dan Tiller. Um, so we've kind of gone for a bit of a messy kind of like paint um, everywhere, um, but very detailed as well. And very colourful, and that's kind of that sums up the year that the the Dreamcast had in year two. It was really colourful, vibrant, bright, but also incredibly messy. And at the end, it was very dark. Um, so there's a lot of. <laughs> so I'm trying to reflect that not only in the artwork, but also in what we talk about. So the story will be about you know all these amazing games that came out, but also the the, the problems that Sega was suffering that led them to then decide to discontinue the Dreamcast. Yeah. Um, and it ends. The story will end on the 31st of March 2001, which is when the day that the Dreamcast actually was discontinued. Um, but yeah, so there's the story. There's going to be more interviews. Um, if you've uh, seen so far that I've been kind of updating Twitter and, and different places with kind of the, the gets that I've got for the book. So I've got um, Ian Lee. Um, I've got um, Corey Marshall, um, who's the voice of uh, Ryo Hizuki from Shenmue. Um, also, ones that I probably haven't mentioned yet is John Linneman from Digital Foundry. He's going to be in the book. Um, I've got uh, Stephen L. Kent, who I'm actually going to interview later today he is an american journalist and author um who else have i got uh i think i think i think i can say one that i've not written on the site yet that i don't think i've put anywhere yet and it's just recent is um uh here's me trying to remember a name now um (laughs) i'm like who is this person again i do remember um hang on i'm looking ah darren jones who's the editor of um retro gamer magazine So, um, and we're trying to get more, um, I mean, we've got our eyes open, uh, we've got got our eyes on wanting to get the developers of uh, Metropolis Street Racer, um, but we are having a bit of trouble getting through to them because they seem to not be answering emails. So if you're listening to this, please do get in touch because we'd love to speak to you. Um, Also, if you're listening to this, do get in touch with us. Yeah, we'd love to speak to you as well. I want to speak to you too. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I've got Tom Tom Charnock on the case, who obviously, if, if anybody could get get hold of them, it would be Tom um, from the Dreamcast Junkyard. So yeah, it's there's going to be loads of retrospectives of all of these big games as well. Um, we've got um, Tom actually is writing the retrospective for Metropolis Street Racer. And I've literally just today got back um, a sample page of that with the art that Dan's done for it. So I'm going to be putting that up onto the Kickstarter project probably after this, actually. So it'll be up to see. Um, yeah, so loads of there's double the amount of retrospectives. We did 12 in year one. We're doing 24 in year two because there's so many games. Um, and obviously all the backer ones will come back again. So there'll be even more. And then, yeah, and then there's something that we're adding this time, which is articles. So it's going to be a much bigger book. I say much bigger. It's going to be 50% bigger than year one. Um, And we're adding articles. So, you know, topics that maybe we don't get to cover in the story or in the retrospective. So, for instance, um, Sandy Bry, he's going to write um, a an article about the 2D fighters that got released to Dreamcast um, because there was a lot and it was very well known for its um, 2D fighting games um, and he's a particular fan of them. So yeah, he's going to write an article about those um, and we're going to get some more articles as well. So yeah, that's that's kind of what's going to be in Dreamcast year two. Cool, cool. Because I did have... Uh, I did have a question about whether Bernie is returning, but I guess he was... 
from from like what I understood from the first book, he was really only around for like the inception and yeah. kind of moved on just before the release or just after the release. And he was the person yeah. that sort of pushed for, he needs to have a modem. He needs to have a modem. Online games is going to be huge. It needs to have a modem. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. It was yeah. He was he was gone before it released in America, um, unfortunately. Um, but you know, the, I I have extra stuff from his interview that perhaps maybe in book three, when maybe we have a look back at the Dreamcast, we could use maybe. And I'm perf- I'm pretty sure he would not say no to being interviewed again. He's he's a lovely guy. Um, I've kind of kept in touch with him a little bit um, since the book, and also Jordan, his his friend who put me in touch. Um, so yeah, the, the, I, I'm sure he wouldn't say no if I decided to ask him a few more questions. But for year two. Um, definitely he's not he's not in this one um, I really did want so I, I was kind of keen on getting Peter Moore because he took over from Bernie afterwards um, and unfortunately I think he's just inc- an incredibly busy man um, I sent him a couple of books don't know if he got them uh, but I sent them um, but he's, no, he's not said anything so I'm guessing maybe not I probably got like his, his secretary probably went eh bummed to one side or something but um, <laughs> uh, yeah it, I, I think and also the fact that it is it is a European UK kind of spin on not spin but you know it's it's looking at that particular area so it'd be nice to have more people who are in this particular part of the world so it'd be nice to get more of those that's why i want to get metropolis street racer developers we do have and i don't want to pronounce his name on audio because i'd probably get it wrong um, but it's on the kickstarter page we've got one of the people who coded the um, port of v rally 2 to dreamcast so we're going to get um, a bit of a and he's uh, he's european um so we're going to get a, a bit of a, an insight into how it was developed for the dreamcast um from somebody who's from our location um so yeah that's going to be quite interesting amazing that's that oh my goodness so are there are there any games so we're going to talk a little bit about the games real quick are there any titles in year that came out during the uk came out in the pal region during the 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 period of time so we're talking april to march or april 2000 to march 2001 are there any games that came out during that period that you know of that you're like Okay, maybe we won't mention this, or is it just literally everything that comes out is getting at least a mention in the the sort of the the catalog at the back of the book? Is it is there anything that you're going? No, I don't want to talk about that or even have that. <laughs> um, I think as long as it yeah, if it came out in the PAL territories, it'll definitely get a mention. Um, if it didn't and it never came out in PAL territories but was released during this time, I will mention the ones that are interesting so there will be things that get left out but if you came out in the pal territory it'll get a real it'll get a mention of some kind even spirit of speed 1937 which is widely <laughs> regarded as possibly the worst dreamcast game to ever have <laughs> graced the console um <laughs> it's going to get its own retrospective um just because <laughs> of its status it needs to kind of be talked about i think um so yeah everything that came out in the pal territory it, it won't all because because there's so many i think i counted close to 125 games maybe more in pal alone in that year um yeah we'd be we'd be struggling it would be like a it would be like a 600 page book if we covered every single one with retrospectives so they'll at least get like a mention um you'll see the box art at the back um and fingers crossed the correct um, <laughs> the correct release date if i can find it yeah. so. <laughs> okay that's cool 
because uh, yeah, that was that was one of my one of my uh, thoughts was like, oh my goodness, there are so many games. I didn't realize it was 125, and like mm-hmm. that in itself, sourcing the box art, sourcing the dates, getting the names typed. Uh, not that you know, typing a name is entirely difficult, but getting it all typed up and and laid out correctly, that's a mammoth task in itself. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, which okay. it's it's good that I've got like I'm, I've got a good year to do it. So that's why. <laughs> Is it just a year just to do that set of pages? Is that literally? Yeah, yeah, just that. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, um, so we talked a little bit earlier, and I sort of mentioned it and flubbed what it was called because I don't know, wasn't sure whether it was backer perks, backer levels, backer whatever the correct verbiage is. But I've noticed from the preview, there's there's a ton of different ways that you can back the book and different sort of perks for different levels. So I was just wondering, um, without mentioning the, uh, the, the very specific media format one just yet, um, <laughs> can you talk us through some of those and like how you managed to like, what, what was the impetus for? Yeah. Yeah. We'll let, we'll give this away or we'll give that away for this level. How did that all sort of come about? How did you plan all that? Um, I mean, some of it's uh, the same pretty much as the first one. So the stuff like um, I've brought back the ability to write a hundred words retrospective in the book for, so, you know, it's a, it's a very limited tier, but you know, if you back at that, you get to do that and you get your portrait drawn by Dan and um, which is, you know, it's quite popular. Um, well, I say it's quite popular. There was only so many, so it could, <laughs> it was going to be popular just by virtue of the fact that you could only like 10 people could do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was well received anyway. And people still use their portraits that they had drawn on social media. I, I still see them on Twitter, which is really nice. Um, and what else is back? Um, yeah, I think that, well, those are the ones that are back. So I think that's quite nice because it means that this time there's going to be more than just me and a couple of other people writing retrospectives anyway. I've got most of the Dreamcast Junkyard team. So the retrospectives that we write will be from a lot of different people rather than just mostly me and a couple from some from other people. So we're getting a much wider variety of voices kind of describing the games they like. But like the first book, I think that having backers kind of be able to pitch in with their kind of memories of, of a particular game is really nice because I haven't played all the Dreamcast games. Um, some people from the Dreamcast Junkyard may have, but I, I certainly haven't. <laughs> so it's um, it's nice to get uh, viewpoints from people who maybe have played a game like, I don't know, um, I'm trying to think of the list now, but, you know, a game like Eldorado Gate or, uh, you know, something like that, something really obscure and, and, and yeah. Um, so that's back. Um, now let me... I keep having I wrote this page and I keep having to bring it back up to remember what I've put I'm like what have I put again um, so, um, yeah, you're looking yeah. back and they're going what have I promised to do <laughs> yeah oh well, god what have I said um, what, what have I done this time <laughs> oh no um, um, because I sold out of the first book I'm doing a reprint um, as part of this campaign I thought that's probably a good idea it will be the same book there'll be a little you know if i find any typos which i think there was a couple we will fix them um and also we're adding the dreamcast junkyard logo 
to the first book and then it will be on the second book because they're now kind of um uh, i was going to say sponsoring they're not spot they're not giving me any money um <laughs> they are um, the logo on it right <laughs> yeah well yeah but it makes sense they're like they are like the the pinnacle in my mind anyway and i'm not just saying this because i now like <laughs> work with them but from like years and years back they're like the pinnacle of the dreamcast community they you know tom and all the other guys write these amazing articles about stuff that you just wouldn't even think you know they track down the dreamcast barber they did all sorts of you know weird and wonderful stuff and they've contributed so much to the community over the years so to have them involved and to have the logo on the book is kind of like a stamp of quality um and a stamp of authority so you know you're looking at this book and you know that it's it's good so that's kind of the idea behind that um, you know just want to make sure people like it um so doing the reprint and then um i'm also doing a zine this time around um so that's new um for this time and yeah i've i i love gaming magazines which is probably quite clear from the first book with a lot of the interviews that we did with people um and I really wanted to do my own, but it's such a difficult thing to get into. And it's, uh, I don't know if I've got the time or the impetus to do it regularly. So I figured, hey, I'll just put out one off. Um, so it's going to be the DCY zine, um, which is Dreamcast Year zine. And uh, although the title has Dreamcast in it, Dreamcast will be nowhere near it. Um, so the DCY zine is basically going to talk about what else was going on in gaming while the Dreamcast was around. So it's like a companion to the books, basically. Mm. Um, it will kind of, there'll be articles and new artwork um, based around the PlayStation, um, kind of the GameCube, the, well, not the N64 more than the GameCube, um, Game Boy, uh, the Xbox, because that came out towards the end. So, yeah, there'll, there'll be lots of stuff about that. And, um, yeah, so those are those are the big things, I think. Um, yeah. So I've yeah. I've got a question. You say that you're going to reprint um, book one, mm-hmm. right? Get you getting going to get book one reprinted. Why don't you ask if you could send over a script with a couple of spelling mistakes, so that you can create the one off that you did that you sent out from the before <laughs> and just have it on your shelf, so you don't have to ask for the guy to send it back. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, I probably could just reprint that. Actually, it would, it's probably possible for me just to re- reprint the the uh, the, the pop. Yeah, I could do that. Yeah, <laughs> let's do that. Yeah, you know, instead of just trying to find the one copy you sent out by mistake, just reprint the 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 bad penny, as it were, just and yeah, stick it on the true. shelf. If you flood the market, then it's no longer a collector's edition. <laughs> true. <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, somebody somewhere has this. Like, yeah, has a. It's not quite a one-off, but it's one in five. So you know they they've got something quite special. They might never. They might never want to give me it back. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's so special. Um, yeah, it would. Uh, to be, you know, we we do this on Dreamcast Junkyard. We try and track down like weird, random things that people have. So maybe this is what you guys do. You, you guys can track down my missing copy of my. <laughs> so your it's your investigative journalism moment to find that, <laughs> bring it home. <laughs> there we go, Squidge. You've got a fedora somewhere. Go and throw that on, and we'll stick a little piece of paper in, in the monocle the out. press. In the monocle, yeah. well, monocle's being repaired. So jail after day. Uh, yeah, damn. Uh, so I'll just saw this pair of glasses in half, and that'll do. Huh? <laughs> I, I do know that one of the things that you've that you've listed now, unfortunately, when you announced it, there was a bit of a kerfuffle 
I, I, mm. That's me trying to be nice about it. There's a bit of a kerfuffle going on on Twitter about why why this this is really stupid. So we're not going to talk about that. Unfortunately, okay. you know, someone jumped in, and everyone's allowed their opinion. And I'm like, whatever, dude. You're not helping with the actual celebration of this, right? But I do know that there is going to be a a special episode of the Dreamcast Years podcast. Excuse me, happening just for the uh, specific backers of uh, sorry backers of a specific level of the book, and mm-hmm. that is going to get a physical release, which is something podcasts hardly ever get. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to get a physical release on a very specific format. So I was wondering, mm-hmm. could you tell us a little bit about um, the format? Maybe why, without being accusatory, just like what was the idea um, behind <laughs> why? choosing? Why did you do it? Uh- yeah, exactly <laughs> that format, and like maybe a little bit about some of the things that may go into that special episode. Sure. Um, so yeah, it's uh, like you say, it's a special episode. It's, um, it's one, I mean, we've talked on Dreamcast years. We had a whole episode about um, media formats of the time that we cover, which is 1997 to 2008. Mm-hmm. Again, me <laughs> trying to remember things. Um, <laughs> there's too much in my head at the moment. Um, so yeah, 1997 to 2008. Um, and, you know, there was a lot of media formats that came and went during that time or kind of, um, you know, they just died during that particular point of time. And for nostalgia purposes, they're, they're amazing. Like VHS, you know, VHS had been around for a long time before that, but it kind of died during that period. Um, and we talked about the fact, you know, like horror movies on VHS are probably the best way to watch horror movies because they have, you know, the, the, the weird tracking stuff and the, it just, I know there's something about it that makes it scary. It's probably because of the ring really. The ring has kind of made VHS is like the scariest <laughs> thing ever. Um, but also we were talking about stuff like um, Minidisc and um, that is the format that we're releasing this podcast on. So it's a weird one for me. So I owned a Minidisc player literally just before things like the iPod and um, MP3 plays in general became this huge thing. And it was, you know, it was meant to be the replacement for cassette tape. Um, it was a digital version of it. You could record on it. You could record your voice. You could like record from different sources, whatever. Everything that you had, even the small players would record. You could record stuff on the on the little kind of handheld, handheld? Um, pocket players. Um, and they had anti-skip and all this kind of stuff. So they, they were these, this amazing physical um, optical disc media. But the problem being is they were huge in Japan. Japan, no problem. America, nobody heard of them. And in Europe, they were kind of in between. And uh, they, as soon as MP3 came out, nobody was interested anymore. And they kind of just slowly died off. Um, and I've got this big interest in in different optical media formats as we come into the digital age. And, you know, discs just become superfluous. I mean, you, you buy a PS4 game now and you've got the you've got the game on the disc, sure, but you also have to install the 20 gigabyte patch. Yeah. So you, the, the game isn't actually on the disc, really, because by the time you've patched it a number of times, what's on the disc is no longer the game that <laughs> it actually exists anymore. Um so back in those days, what was on the disc, what was on the physical media was the thing that you had. And there's something really special about having those physical items, um, which is kind of getting a bit lost these days. And I think that's what kind of spurred me to want to have something like a mini disc. I mean, a CD is a dime a dozen. You can buy a CD um, and, and just, you know, it's really easy to produce. Not saying we won't produce when we may do. Um, cassette is maybe a little bit too niche uh, and vinyl's far <laughs> too big. Uh, it wouldn't fit in the box yeah. for the book. So it's just not going to happen. So mini disc was like this perfect little um, 
slice of nostalgia, um, this physical item. And even if you don't have a mini disc player, it's just this thing that you can have um, and know that what's on it is never going to be released digitally, at least not by me. You know, if somebody might be a, a about it and kind of download it and put it online. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the, the whole point of it is that all this stuff that we have now is digital podcasts are digital only we don't have like like you mentioned there's not i mean i'm sure somebody's done it somewhere but you don't really have them on a physical medium anymore uh, or ever because they were created as a digital thing so to have this on this physical medium and the fact that this particular episode will never ever come out digitally it'll be exclusive to a physical medium i just thought it was quite nice and of the time um that the book is covering so that's kind of why I was going to say in a nutshell, but that was more than a nutshell. That was kind of like me deep diving <laughs> so into why I did it. Rather big nut to fit yeah. yes. idea. Yeah. I, I think I can definitely say eBay sellers across the world will rejoice when you start selling stuff on there. When you start yes. putting out mini disc things, it's just tons of people go, who wants a mini disc player? I've got like four I, of them and they'll be snapped I'm not going to lie. Right. As soon as it was announced, there was like, oh. That reminds me, I should buy a mini disc player. I've still got I, one. I remember it. No. You know, I was like, oh, I better. And then I've over the past few weeks, I've been ref- and the prices are literally climbing. I don't know whether it's specifically because of Dreamcast Yearbook too, but you <laughs> I know, it. <laughs> I, <doubt> it. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> that could, you see, that could be. Here's what we need to do, right? We need to get the Stuff magazine involved, right? And they can write an article about um, UK writer relaunches mini disc uh, industry with um, Kickstarter backer level with, uh, you know, and they can interview you about that, right? All we need to do is just send them that idea and they'll do it, right? That's totally how journalism works. (laughs) That's exactly how it works. Yeah, (laughs) totally. Uh, No, but it is, it's, it's this... There's something about mini discs that I think a lot of people still really love because it's this uh, people like the underdog, I think, and it's this f- mm. format that didn't really take off the way it should, but it had so much promise. I mean, mm-hmm. in Japan, they even got to a point where they were putting data on it, like a floppy disk or like a you know, so you could connect it to a computer and put yeah. data on it. And they're such a good little size that you know you could pop, you know, put it in your pocket and you could trunt. And they were you know, but it just came at the wrong time. It came too late, um, essentially. Um, but another person from the Dreamcast junkyard, um, Martin Irwin, he is um, not, it's no word of a lie to say he's probably got more mini discs than I've ever seen in one place in my <laughs> life. Like he showed me his collection of mini, he's, he's mad about mini discs. He shows me his collection and it's like huge. Um, and he makes his own. So he will, if he gets a new album, um, he will make a mini disc of it. And then he will make a little sticker to put on the mini disc and like the little <laughs> spine art and stuff. So he goes absolutely crazy for it. And he still has, he has like a collection of players and all he's just mad so when i said i was going to do it he was like oh my god and he's basically been like helping me source where to do it and like <laughs> giving me suggestions and like it's like this is great uh, i've got like a person who knows all about mini disc on the team so yeah it's really good and um we so there's a company called bandcds.co.uk and it's like a place where you can do like small batches of like professionally made like cds cassettes etc and they do mini disc and um, they do it in such a way that they'll fully print the mini disc, like f- the whole of the front of the disc. You can put a label on the back. They'll do jewel cases so you can have it actually in a jewel case. So it's proper profesh. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So it's going to be properly have its own cover printed, labeled, everything. So it's going to be, it's going to look like a professional mini disc. I mean, it, yeah, it's going to look, it's going to look really good. So. Sweet. 
That's awesome. I do remember having a mini disc player in when I used to cycle to and from uni. I mean, back when I was at uni, right? And that was it. It was like click. I had the little, it was this, I can't even remember the name of it. It was Sony, Sony something or other. And it had the remote control on the, on the, yeah. the, the cable. Yeah. And you could just like click it with your thumb and just like cycle. It had the names of the tracks on it as well. Yeah, the little names of the tracks. LCD strip. That was genius. I do remember that. Yeah. So I may have to track one of those down just so maybe I can back the book at that level and get the exclusive (laughs) episode and then start my mini disc collection afresh. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way to start. You see what you've done, Andrew. You see, I'm going to have to listen about this now for the next year and a half. (laughs) Thanks for that. it's all right it's what you're welcome um (laughs) (laughs) but then i'll end up going down the like i'll go i'll I'll go hard into it and i'll be like i can't use it with my windows machine so i have to use my linux machine and there's these hundreds hundreds of apps that i can use to actually talk to it over the serial port and do all and he'd be like shut up dude i just want to play resident evil (laughs) that's the next year of my life thanks for that <laughs> so, <laughs> so like um were you guys, so here's an idea that i've had right so first of all hmm. one of the one of the great things about um about some of the bands that i follow and artists i follow on Bandcamp is they they occasionally do the vinyl and cassette tape um releases but that's because the folks that i follow on Bandcamp tend to be like the future funk and vaporware and synth wave sort of thing so it's kind of fits with that aesthetic right but what i was thinking was is it going to be attached to the front of the zine and or uh, books? You have to peel it off like a like a pack in oh. like a demo CD. <laughs> it's, it's like you're in my head. Um, I really <laughs> want to. D- I really want to do that. Um, I don't know how feasible it's going to be, but that was my yeah. first idea. Um, the reason I don't think it's going to be feasible: one, I'd have to find like the the glue that they use. Like, wh- where would you even find that glue? Like the sticky stuff that just doesn't come off, um, or, like peels off in one big strip. Um, <laughs> so there's that. It's going <laughs> to, but also the artwork that we're going to have on the front is going to be like full full-on cover artwork and you know when you got those demo discs on back in the day and they'd have like the little square on the artwork that you put it in front of um and i don't want to have that i mean i could do it without having that i guess you know and just stick it on the front but also then it's me having to stick like however many mini discs on the front of magazines let's have a little production line me and my cats like give me the clothes so it's not just that. I mean, if you if you try to search for the specific type of glue, I'm pretty sure you'd be put on some sort of list. You know, <laughs> probably. Yeah. yeah. What, what is he searching for glue for from 20 years ago? What is he doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do. I uh, if if I can do it. If somebody, if again, I'm I'm putting call outs on your podcast. If somebody has that specific glue, <laughs> get in touch. <laughs> I'm perfectly fine with that. If we could be some kind of conduit to help the production. I'm perfectly fine with that. <laughs> so you're going to hire a researcher, a chemist, an alchemist, <laughs> a production line. You could put three, that as three a wizards line. and a mini disc expert. <laughs> that could be a strap line for the book, like the only video game book to hire a hire a, an alchemist. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? What? I'm thinking about it now. This is really weird, but my um, my partner's brother is a chemist, and he worked for a company that developed special kinds of glue. So there you go. Maybe I just contact him. 
It all I forgot all about that until we just discussed this. I was like, oh yeah, you like spent I'm, like two years in China. Like, okay. I, I, I'd just like to apologise in advance on behalf of me and my brother <laughs> <laughs> for putting that idea in your head. That's all I'm going to think about now. I'm not going to be able to sleep. So just glue. <laughs> what are you thinking about? Glue. Okay. <laughs> Uh, yes. Oh dear. Okay. Um, so you've you've talked a little bit about the the zine that you're going to produce with it as well, um, mm-hmm. it, and you've said how it's going to be not really Dreamcast related, um, and you're saying like uh, PlayStation N64, the consoles that were around at the time, right? Um, yeah. So what's what's that about? Is that just like people like the people who are working with you on it are just contributing some stuff, and you're just going to, for want of a better phrase, I don't want it to sound amateurish, but you're just going to sort of throw it together because that's. To me, that's kind of how zines work. It's like, oh, it's a bit, it's a bit sort of not slapdash, but like we just mishmash. Throw this con- yeah, this mishmash, this uh, salad bowl of content. We're just going to throw it together and put it out there. Is that is that how it's going to work? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I want it to have a, a vague feel of late nineties, early two thousands gaming magazines as much as possible in terms of the design and how we put it together. But yeah, it's not going to be like. Um, I mean, it w- I was going to say, it's not going to be curated content. Of course, it's going to be create- curated content. I'm not going to just put anything in there. Um, <laughs> but um, it will be, yeah, articles that are written by different people. Um, I'm trying to get um, people who aren't contributing to the book um, that I've worked with before to perhaps contribute an article to the zine. Um, and also, it's going to have its own kind of artwork. So we've got the... Eric Pavick, who did um, the art for Dreamcast Year One, he's going to do a piece um, of artwork for this. Dan, who's doing Dreamcast Year Two, he's going to contribute. The artist that I'm not—I uh, was going to say that I'm not going to announce yet, but to be fair, I think I already have technically. So John Doyle um, is going to be doing the art for Year Three, um, and he's going to contribute a piece. So basically, the zine's going to have a piece of artwork from all of the different artists who are going to be working on the three different books, um, and then there's going to be an extremely special cover which um still is in production i've not seen it yet um because the person who's doing it is so busy so it doesn't exist at the moment but it's i know what it's going to be um and that's gonna it's going to be two versions of the zine so the there's going to be one version which is just a regular cover like you know and then on the back there'll be an advert like the old kind of magazines that would always have like the ad on the back of the of the magazine and then there'll be like a subscribers version which has the full piece of artwork from front to back on on the on the front and back cover um and that's being done by I'm not going to say because I can't, I don't want to announce it yet, That's, but it's yeah. somebody really okay. special um, from the Dreamcast scene. Um, and that's all I'll say at the moment. But yeah, it's, so uh, it's going to be Suzuki great. Then. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yu Suzuki is drawing the, uh, <laughs> the artwork. I wish. I don't, so, can, can he draw? <laughs> is I mean, he an artist? Can you, Badly can you, scribble Kirby on it, you know. Can you finalize <laughs> telling a story? Whoops. <laughs> oh, whoa. <deep laughs> One nuts. day. One yeah. day. He yeah. will. He will. So, so with the magazine, just a quick question. You say you want sort of like a, a late 90s, early 2000s feel, right? Yeah. Are, are you going to have a section of a couple of pages where it's just cheat codes? No. Because mm. it's like cheat codes um, and how to beat this boss and fake cheat codes, <laughs> like how to play a, uh, as Akuma in Resident Evil 2. You know, this is how you do it. How you unlock yeah. Air Mac in Mortal Kombat 2, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> Again, I mean, it, I'd, well, I've, 
Yeah, I, I, I would say, don't say, no, I wouldn't say never. Maybe not two pages, That considering <laughs> it's like 30-page zine. Having two pages dedicated to that well, might like, be... A like a much. section or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, yeah, we're going to have little sections throughout the book of different things as well as articles. So yeah, that might pop up. Um, Again, so, sorry, yeah, you're right, like <laughs> <laughs> Just adding things to the book. Um, yeah, no, but th- those are the memorable things from those magazines, right? Like you had like the guides for completing the first level of Sonic or something. You know, it's just... Those were quite cool things. But yeah, so it's going to be, like you say, a bit of a mishmash of different things um, that kind of gives you the overall feeling of kind of a, a magazine, a games magazine from that era. And um, the, um, the the podcast will be pretty much a Dreamcast Years podcast. So we'll talk about, uh, it's not been decided what we'll talk about, but it will be in the vein of a Dreamcast Years episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will have in it also um, the voices of backers. So certain tiers you can back to basically. So if anybody listens, of, I, I think I know you guys have listened a, a, a little bit. We do Game of the Year um, episodes where we decide what the Game of the Year is and each of us has a minute to pitch our Game of the Year before we discuss it and then it gets voted on. So in that kind of vein... Um, backers will be able to who back at a certain level will be able to record a one minute pitch of their favourite Dreamcast game um, so we'll kind of include that in there um, I'm not sure how we'll use it whether we'll discuss those games kind of take the mick out of the person who's <laughs> in their game choice um, you know it'll be it will be in there but how it's going to be used it hasn't been decided but yeah so it's going to be yeah it, it's going to be a one off um, we're, we're even th- talking about maybe getting a guest in maybe like we would normally do so yeah we'll, we'll see how we'll see how it goes okay excellent excellent so is that just this one last question on that sort of uh, dcy mini disc episode then is mm-hmm. it going to be an hour an hour and a half or is it going to be as much of as we can fit onto the mini disc what's the yeah well you can't fit an hour and a half onto a mini disc um, 80 minutes is the max so that's mm-hmm. an hour and 20 minutes so we will be fitting as much as we can possibly get on them. I mean, we're not going to like kind of fill out time to make sure it's like 80 minutes exactly. It's like, so um, let's now talk about... So it will be it will be however long it is, but we'll keep it to the 80 minute mark as much as possible. Yeah. Okay. I do remember, you see... Before I got the mini displayer, I do remember seeing lots of mostly Resident Evil and similar titles where they would have essentially mini discs. And they would, I think they were called the Mo discs, right? Mm. Especially from Resident Evil 2, and they would use them. So, mm. yeah, totally. I totally get the, um, they were using them for data uh, because, like, I was like, oh, wow, you can use the, and you can, you can. Um, not all of the apps that, that allow you to write to them allow you to write data to them. But um, yeah, you can use them almost as USB storage, which is interesting. I remember doing taking my dissertation into uni on a U, excuse me, on a um, on a mini displayer, and everyone going, really? "What the heck are you doing?" <laughs> That's great. That's really cool. Uh, this, yeah. It just shows how you know how re- well, one how robust they are because they can be written to so many times before they die. Like I think it's like a thousand times that you can write to them. Uh, which is a lot like you know a, a usb stick would probably die after a few hundred you know writing over it but you know also the fact that it was so versatile like music data and all sorts of stuff that you could add to i'm sure if, if it had gone on for longer and if it had been more popular you'd probably see things like video i mean it was the precursor to the umd technically to mm-hmm. the psp's umd and that had video that had games so 
um, if you know if if it hadn't have gone the way it gone, perhaps Sony would have used the mini disc for their portable consoles. Maybe never know, but it'd be an interesting thing. It would have been nice to have it as an actual successful format um, rather than it, it kind of very quickly. Like you used to, you could get, you can buy still. Obviously, not now. They're you know secondhand now, but um, you can buy actual albums that got released on mini disc that were you know actually made properly um but i think you probably saw them like on a corner shelf for about a month and then they disappeared very quickly because nobody bought them um and there's only so many of them um that are available so it's a shame that it didn't it didn't pick up as much as it as it could have done um though in japan they still make mini discs you can still buy new mini discs hence why we're able to do what we're doing uh, yeah. <laughs> they import them from japan um because people use them as dictaphones still like people use mini discs for dictaphone purposes and um uh, you know other st- such stuff but yeah they're just so versatile they're amazing <laughs> podcast now yeah <laughs> it's, yeah yeah okay um, so yeah, last time we were, that we, that we sort of talked to you, yeah, last time we talked to you, we, we asked you to try and choose a number of Dreamcast titles to, to almost convince people who had never played one to mm-hmm. sort of try it out. Um, and what we're thinking this time as sort of like a wrap up is, um, if you, if you could imagine, um, that licensing isn't an issue and storage space isn't an issue and that the various emulation issues are the thing, right? If you could pick five to 10 games to release onto a, now this is completely fictional. I do not speak for Sega. I do not speak for Android. I do not speak for any one of them myself, (laughs) but let's say that Sega released a Dreamcast mini, Mm -hmm. which five to 10 games would you want to be on there and thus would not be on there because that's not how these mini consoles work yeah. <laughs> which yeah. which would you would you put on there i guess so th- so there's really obvious ones that i'm going to avoid but i will mention them start i mean shenmue would be on there of course it would i mean in a metropolis street racer of course it would be on there chichi rocket of course it would be on there um but going on along those lines of, of course it would be crazy taxi because it has to be. I mean, that again is it's the epitome of Sega and its arcade roots, and it's uh, and it's the height of its arcade as well. To me, is Crazy Taxi, um, and it's the, and it kind of it very much shows what the Dreamcast is in one game. It gives you know it's it's bright, it's colourful. Um, so that for sure, Power Stone, which is not a Sega game. And as we've seen, I mean, you do see, so, like, so with the PlayStation, for instance, uh, by virtue of the fact that Sony didn't make that many of their own games back then, has third-party games. So I'm sure that, you know, maybe Sega would be able to make a deal. You know, Capcom doesn't seem to care about Power Stone. So uh, you know, if we can put, <laughs> get it on the Dreamcast Mini, that'd be great. Um, but Power Stone is, is amazing and it would have to be on there. It's, it's, a, it's a must-play for anybody who's going to play a Dreamcast Mini that doesn't exist but should. Um then you've got the bigger games. So Skies of Arcadia is, again, it's a, this isn't Capcom, but Sega have kind of left by the wayside and haven't bothered with since it came mm. out. And they ported it to the GameCube and that was about it. Mm. Um, but it's just such it's a great RPG. It's probably still one of my favourite RPGs. And I don't understand why nothing has happened with it ever. Um, so yeah, that would have to go on there. Just actually give people, because it's expensive, like unless you're emulating it, you would be paying. I think it's roughly fifty quid for a Dreamcast copy, and yeah. closer to a hundred for a GameCube copy. So if you want to play that game, you're going to be spending a lot of money. What else? What else? Jet Set Radio is a given, isn't it? That's kind of a given. You would put the, the, you'd have to have that on there. Um, but I'm going to give the, the going to give two more 
And these are the ones that are probably a bit left field, but I think they need to be on there just to show, just to show Sega being crazy Sega and also to show <laughs> what else was out there that nobody really, maybe not everybody knows about. Um, actually, I'm going to say three. Sorry, three. Um, so first of all, D2. Yeah. Because I don't know who's played that. If you either of you guys have played that. It was, it was uh, it, phenomenal. It didn't come out in PAL, did it? No, no, it was no. Um, Japan and America only, so you I've, have to have bought it. I've heard a lot about it. I've never played it myself. So. Yeah, um, it got censored in, in America because of um, Japanese tentacle stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> literally, that's what it was. Steady. Uh, yeah, um, it wasn't that it wasn't, it wasn't. It wasn't that bad. It's not like pornographic, but it was very suggestive. Anyway, um, it's an amazing game. It's like a great horror game, and it's made by like one of the all-time greats of the horror genre, um, an atmospheric genre, which is um, Kenji Ino. Mm. Um, who made Enemy Zero and um, uh, lots of other games, D, because this is D2, obviously, so he made D. Um, so D2 is it's one, like you say, people he, who are here in Europe or UK probably won't have played it. It's Unless you were importing games, you won't have played it. But it's like a really weird survival horror um, it's like a mishmash of genres. Like you have to hunt animals to survive. You have to ride on a skidoo. You're like like in deepest darkest Canada, basically. Like you know in the in the tundra. Um, and then you've got like um, you have to fight in first person. Weirdly, you explore in third person. The story is bizarre, um, but it's it's really it's really engrossing, and everybody should play it. Basically, um, the next one, which never came out outside of Japan, is Sega Gaga. That one everybody should play <laughs> it would need to be translated like you'd have to translate it on the dreamcast mini um but you know that's we're, we're talking you know um hypotheticals here so that's totally fine so somebody's going to translate this i've played i think i played a good hour maybe two hours of it with like a guide to one side to understand what was being said it is crazy like it is <clears throat> sega realizing that um they have this reputation and that they're not doing too well and so they went yeah let's just make a game i'm sorry if i don't not supposed to swear um <laughs> it's fine <laughs> i'll say it in a different way screw it um let's just let's just go absolutely bonkers and make a game where you run sega and you have to try and stop it from like going like into going bust which is what you know that it's like oh we can't do this ourselves but we'll make a game about where other people can do it so it's like a 2d game um you, you run sega so you're having to decide what games get made but then part of it is you go into the computer and like fight characters in like an rpg style uh. so it's it's kind of like um like game dev tycoon or whatever that, that kind of thing mixed with an rpg and it's really bizarre but it takes the piss out of itself and <laughs> sega and all of their properties and it's just great um so if you could get a fully translated version of that then you should uh it has to be on there just to show how bonkers sega really was towards the end and then lastly i haven't played this game myself but i own a sealed copy of the first one and it's always always interested me and it's eldorado gate uh, which i mentioned earlier it's completely in Japanese. It's impenetrable. Like even if you have a guide, it would be so difficult to try and follow it if you didn't speak Japanese or read Japanese. Um, and but the art style was absolutely incredible. It was a seven-part RPG that Capcom made. It's never been released anywhere outside of the Dreamcast. It's it's exclusive to that console, and it came in seven parts over the course of like a year. So and it told this like cool story, uh, like different. It's uh, trying to think. 
Octopath Traveler, if you've ever heard or played of that on the yeah, Switch. I've, I've and that told that like a, st- yeah, different story. Like it's the same story, but from different angles and they all meet up eventually. And the- mm. so it's that basically. It's you play different characters throughout these seven games and it switches between them. It's almost Game of Thronesy, I guess, as well, because Game of Thrones is similar. Um, mm. But the art style is absolutely amazing. It's like this detailed, hand drawn 2D art style. Amazing. Um, and it's just such a shame that it never came out beyond Japan and that it never got translated because I really, really want to play it. And at the moment, all I can do is just look at my sealed copy and look at the lovely art on the front and go, oh, if only, if only I could play this game and really, really enjoy it. But no, I can't. So if, if there was a Dreamcast Mini, I would have the whole series translated and put onto that for sure. <laughs> okay, cool, cool. Um, so what about you, Squidge? If you, same question. Oh, I've, I've got a list. I, I can tell you it's a, a <laughs> 10 part list. It's, it, it's got the classic, this has got to be on there. So you've got stuff like Crazy Taxi, Jesset Radio, Metropolis Street Racer, uh, Shenmue. But then I've got a little bit weird. So I've got Fair Fighters, because I remember playing that and not being able to play it, but still enjoying it because it's a very cartoony third person action game, which was impossible to control. Um, I've got Fantasy Star Online, just because why not? Um, that's like version one, not version two. Uh, Resident Evil 2, because I really like the mechanic of all your details was on the memory card screen. So you didn't have to go into, you didn't have to count your shots or look into the menu. Um, Soul Calibur, because I'm a big fan of, uh, Soul Edge, Soul Blade on the PS1. Um, when Soul Calibur came out, it was whenever he wasn't on it, I was on it. Um, so, um, then one of the other, games that I really liked, which is I, I don't see much in the way of anyone's talking about it, considering it was a spin-off, is uh Zombie Revenge, originally called Blood Bullet. Um really cool arcade beat 'em up style game where you had like uh hand to hand combat and guns. And it was one of those where if you put your save file onto your memory card and you played a mini game you could unlock cheats in the main game. Which I never got round to because battery was dead, obviously. Uh and <laughs> Just to be that little bit weird, I would stick on Blue Stinger just because. <laughs> oh, see, I, I would, I would kind of agree with that though. Like it is weird; it's a weird choice because it's not that highly regarded. But if they, if they had it, so they, they had the Japanese version which had static camera angles, and they changed it because they, because they thought that the West in the West people wouldn't stand for that anymore. You know, like it's a new era; nobody likes the static kind of camera angles so they changed it and it made it terrible but from what i hear it plays really well um in the japanese version but it doesn't have any english so if they mix the two together for the dreamcast mini then yeah that would be pretty cool yeah so what we'll do is we'll keep the um the we won't have static camera angles and we'll just put it in japanese yeah (laughs) just to annoy people but i'd 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 stick blue sting on there because it's it's an experience um, if you've played the Dreamcast or you're going to go back and start collecting games to play it, it's one of those games where it is absolutely terrible, but you need to play it. <laughs> so just to, just to qualify just how terrible, we're talking Sonic Adventure voice acting terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with with mm. a plot that I, I got so far and then got stuck. That was it. Yeah. I only got so far into it and it was just... It was the weirdest game. I can't even describe the plot, to be honest. It's just, it's an experience. 
even yeah. the opening like 10 minutes is just it's you can't explain it like it's like the guy's on a fishing holiday and then there's like a meteor and then like he gets trapped in a bubble and then like this little thing that his friend had been whittling becomes real like a nephilim a nephilim nephilim or whatever you call them um and then and then like he just happens to like get like attacked by aliens and then he wakes up in a research station and mm. i'm like oh, oh okay like sure <laughs> let's go with that i i i liken blue stinger this is going to be really obscure but i liken blue stinger to like chicken box Right. Because once you've experienced it, you can't get it again, and the earlier you experience it, the better, so you can appreciate the rest of the Dreamcast games. So I see sure. Blue Stinger as like one of those childhood maladies that if you get as an adult, it'll really mess you up. But as a kid, you know, you know, you you have to get it just to immunize yourself against it. So there you are, you had it here first. Blue Stinger's like chicken pox. <laughs> That's a pretty good analogy. You know, I, I would put Sonic Adventure into that category as well. <laughs> Sonic Adventure is like chicken pox. Yes. It's, it, you, you need to get it. You need to play it. You're like, you have to. Like, you have to, but then it's just never again. There's no, <laughs> there's no point in it. And if you play it later on, if you were to play that game now, it just would not. It's why I mean, I played it recently uh, for the book and it just was not good. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely true. That's a really good analogy. I like that. <laughs> is that going in the book? Is it? <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna use that credit to switch. Uh, yes, <laughs> back of the book anyway. I'm gonna look for it. I'm gonna look for it. Okay, to be in there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, dedication. Uh, you see, you, you both said we're gonna go a bit obscure and a bit weird with your titles. Yet I'm actually I feel let down that neither of you mentioned Seaman. Oh God! There's a uh, reason why. <laughs> yeah, I was close to. I've never played that game actually, but I was very close to. I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's not on my list, but yeah, like. <laughs> oh, okay. I thought you were going to go into like jump into an explanation of it. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Uh, yeah, that's that's another one of those that if you've never played it, you kind of you have to experience it at some point, even if it's just watching someone attempt to play it. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. Very gassy today. It's a very very strange game, but like. My list, again, is about 10 titles, and it's quite short. I do have some uh, bonuses sort of things written down. But yeah, top to bottom, it's uh, Tokyo Extreme Racer, because I I sunk so many hours into that game. The sequel, not so much, but definitely that one. And Metropolis Street Racer, because again, it's a wonderfully... I I uh, will mention how we cheese that after his... um after his list i'll mention how we actually cheese that game completely but please continue with your list i'll i'll okay. call you out afterwards shadow man potentially not the german version um Aww. fantasy star online version 2 just because it sort of tweaks and fixes a bit of the balancing of the game uh crazy taxi for the same reasons that i think you both mentioned uh dino crisis jet set radio jack ride radio uh, ready to rumble boxing round 2 because easily the best silly arcadey stupid boxing game and you could fight as michael jackson as well Mm. um choreographed and voice provided by the real guy but he decided to provide a silly voice a voice of an impersonator impersonating so he was impersonating an impersonator of him wow when he provided the voice yeah. There was like an obsession with Michael Jackson around that time because he was in both Space Channel 5 games as well mm. and he provided yeah. the music for Sonic 3 not that long before. Yeah, so yeah. people had like a proper obsession and it's not it's not aged well now, unfortunately. No, no. Um, so. <laughs> it's the same with like the, the Simpsons episode, right? The, yeah. the, so the voice of the, of the guy who 
So I can't even remember the name of the character, but the character who thinks he's Michael Jackson, right? When he is at the end of the episode, not being Michael Jackson, that is Michael Jackson providing the voice. But when he's impersonating him, that's an impersonator doing a Michael Jackson voice. It's a really weird, like, can you imagine like, yeah, we had Michael Jackson on our episode in the middle of Michael Jackson mania, but he's not actually providing the voice you think he is. Just Mm -hmm. we. Anyway, he's, do, right. he's doing a Danny DeVito impression. It's really odd. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably yeah, a legal yeah, exactly. thing. He can't be voiced in it or something. I don't know. Might have been a I legal don't thing. Um, but yeah, then it's uh, Code Veronica because Code Veronica has to be because that's. I feel it's one of the games that really pushed the Dreamcast to its mm-hmm. limit. I remember uh, Andrew, you you mentioning like the water effects in one of the early episodes of the Dreamcast Years podcast. And if you haven't actually mm-hmm. paid attention when you climb into the swimming pool at some point in. Uh, later in the game and uh, there's also the lighting effects when you first walk into the guardhouse the light is swinging and it's casting realistic shadows it is absolutely genius um but yeah the, uh, those games uh what else because i've i've realized now looking at my list i've written jet set radio twice um <laughs> maybe i like it that why much. not yeah put right? it on there twice <laughs> even though the controls are horrible <laughs> it is actually mm. a fun game um but yeah, yeah. The, the bonuses just skipping straight past that hopefully no one will pay attention to that the bonuses that i've written down was it would obviously have to include dream key because you've got to get it online right, right? <laughs> and the other thing <laughs> i wrote down was does shenmue count of a game that count as a game that you would have to explicitly list because it would be in on there anyway right so yeah, it would just appear, even if nobody actually put it, like physically put it on, it would just appear on there because it just it's just like it is the Dreamcast. Um, exactly. It would be interesting if they put Shemmy Passport on there because that, mm. that's something that's kind of lost to the annals of time. Like some of it still works, but because some of it was online, it's just gone. You can't access some of the stuff that was on there anymore. So it would be nice to have that on there. For mm. sure. And I said I would, and I'm going to call him out. So Metropolis Street Racer. Some of the early things, you had races and then you had average tracks, you know, races and stuff. And one of them you could do was it would be the best out of three. Now, this guy quite quickly realized that if I get the right score in the first two, first track, he could just mess about in the, the second two tracks. So what he tended to do was, because it was all about kudos, is he would go on a specific track, find a long stretch of road, go split ass down it, break, handbrake 10, spin around two times, get a load of kudos, not hit anything, go to the other end and do the same. He did this mm-hmm. for 25 minutes once and unlocked every single unlockable car up till the end of the game, all in one go. Wow. Yeah, but wow. don't try any of those early races on the uh, super duper, um, on the final level type cars, because they're not built for those. <laughs> they're not built for corners. <laughs> They're, they're like drag cars. Yeah, uh, those big cars are not built for those levels. Now, luckily, it wasn't that bad because I was in the same room when he did that because the, the music in that game was awesome. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So it wasn't that bad. But all I'd hear was this... <laughs> for 25 minutes straight. Yeah, do you happen yeah. to remember that old um, N64 F1 advert where it was like the guy drives over the edge of the road and he's like... Remember Imagine that, that on loop for about an hour. That's what I had to, uh, to sit <laughs> through. Hey, if you unlock everything, then, you know, that's 25 exactly, minutes well spent, right? surely. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Oh, my goodness. So so just as we sort of wrap up then, let's talk a little bit uh, really 
hopefully briefly, because I know you have to sort of dash off um, about Dreamcast years and Cross Gamers. Then you brought it up. It's not even called Cross Gamers. It? Yeah, it's called Cross Gamers. Sorry, I got it written down. Cross as players, like, yeah. Cross players. So, hey, I yeah. got it wrong. I just <laughs> no, shake this, your fist at the sky. <laughs> this is why I need a researcher. I'm going to take your take your example. and an alchemist. Hire, an alchemist. Hire yeah. a researcher and an alchemist for the podcast. Podcast researcher, podcast alchemist. Now hiring. <laughs> that could be your new job title, Squish. Podcast alchemist. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it does sound good, but no. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, so yeah, let's talk, if you don't mind, let's talk a little bit about DCY, because you've, you've talked to us a little bit before about DCY, and you've covered it a few times in the uh, in the episode, but you haven't really, for the people who maybe... I happen to know that some of the listeners to the show jump into the new episodes and then maybe take months to go back a few. So for the folks who haven't heard episode 73, where you were on it before, or indeed may not have heard of DCY or Cross Gamers, let's uh, just say it again, Cross Players. My cross goodness. Players. Yeah. <laughs> Shakes <laughs> right, Squish, sky again. You're the host now. I'll see you all later. <laughs> no, no, you're the host. Come on, keep it going. <laughs> okay, yeah. So for the folks who haven't heard of those or haven't heard the earlier episodes, can you give us a kind of kind of brief overview of those of those shows? Yeah. Um so DCY Dreamcast Years Podcast is something that I kind of decided to do after the first book and um I was kind of getting into podcast podcasting because people kept inviting me on to talk about the book and I was like this is quite fun mm. um so I was like I want to I want to do this so I did and um so it's me um my good friend Steve who I've known for gosh more than 20 years now it's ridiculous um and also Rich who is um Dreamcast Barber on Twitter so obviously knows a lot about the Dreamcast um mm. or at least he'd lead you to believe that he unfortunately <laughs> did throw his first Dreamcast in a bin Damn! Um, so, but yeah, so we hold, yeah, I know it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a crime. Um, so he, he's making up for it now. He's currently, he's, he's like deep into modding his Dreamcast. So he's like added like a GDMU. He's put a Nocturna fan on it. He's like having a, a, like an amazing time with his Dreamcast. He's making up for all of the, the terrible things he, the war crimes that he committed in his youth. <laughs> um, so it's great. Um, but yeah, so we, we kind of got together and we talk about um, the years between 1997 and 2008, which is pretty much around when the Dreamcast was current. The last official Dreamcast game came out in 2007, a kind of licensed game. It wasn't a Sega game. So around those times. And each episode we will kind of discuss... Um, yeah, what, what life was like in terms of media, like films, TV shows, music, what was going on in the country during that year. I, I try and include as many song puns as I can possibly fit in. <laughs> um, and then we <laughs> we have a guest as well, and we'll discuss with them um, kind of a bunch of the games from that year and whether or not they were like uh, game changers or if they were a bit crap. Um, uh, yeah, and just kind of explore the, the year in gaming that way. Um, our last episode, our last full episode, um, our guest was Corey Marshall. So we had Ryo Hazuki on the episode. He was so funny. It was hilarious. Like, um, yeah, he got confused so that we do. Uh, I'm going to mention another podcast now, but I, I mentioned I'm into F1. So Rich um, has his own podcast, which is Three Pricks and a Podcast. Um, obviously, Pricks spelled P-R-I-X. Like Grand I love Prix. that name. Um, I love that name. Great. Um, <laughs> and uh, so me, uh, Rich and uh, Mark, we all talk about F1 and the podcast. Obviously, F1's been postponed for ages. Literally, last week was the first race. So for ages, we've just been talking about 
crap, but we can find it for races anyway. We mentioned I mentioned the podcast in Rich's intro, and um, Corey decided that what I'd meant was that we call each other, we all called each other pricks. Um, and um, it was like, am I a prick? Like, can I be a can I be a prick? And we were like, oh no, we don't. We, we haven't even decided what your kind of thing. So by the end of the episode, we had to decide if he was a prick or not, and we we think we could, it was like a game changing hole or something stupid anyway we came up with a we came up with a name for him uh, but he's so funny and he's got so much um stuff to say about Shenmue and, and games in general he's a gamer he's not just a voice actor he loves games mm-hmm. anyway so we have that we talk about we do like game of the year as well which i mentioned and we do deep dives which is you know looking into a particular topic in more detail like we did with the um lost kind of like lost media formats um so yeah we do that which is which i really enjoy it's good um and then the the cross play i'm trying i nearly said the cross game is then steady you on. kind of messed steady. up in my head now um <laughs> the, cr- the cross players. welcome to the cross games <laughs> <laughs> um so that used to be the switch island um so the Switch Island is probably one of the first podcasts that I um, featured on, and then ended up becoming really good friends with all of the guys over there. And then in the end, I just kind of just kind of ended up going on the podcast with them, and just just they couldn't get rid of me from then on. You just moved so in. I uh, <laughs> yeah, just moved in basically. So I've been doing stuff with them for for like a year or so now, and we all decided that hey, we like more than just the Switch, and it seems silly to just keep doing one console, and we play so many other games. Um, and we even we to the point that we even started a podcast within the Switch Island called the Speakeasy, where we would like we, we pretended that we were in like a a bar that you needed a password to get into, um, like that was on the Switch Island, and it was like oh we th- this is like our secret place where we can talk about games that aren't on the Switch. Um, <laughs> so we did that for a little bit, and um, but we realised that really it's we all like games from different platforms, and it made more sense to talk about you know everything and anything, and not kind of you know it's what people seem to like about. Um, Switch Island is the humour and the fact that we're all quite close and quite pally and we can take the piss out of each other and so it kind of makes an, and that makes for nice listening um, so the, you know it doesn't really matter what we talk about I mean we could talk about um, I don't know the glue for like <laughs> for an hour <laughs> and I'm sure we could make it interesting um, but yeah we just <laughs> be, welcome to the Cross Gamers podcast where we talk about glue for an hour <laughs> again I'm sorry <laughs> I'm terribly sorry <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, we're gonna we're gonna talk about everything everything gaming related, and we're looking at doing more video as well because, um, yeah, video is pretty cool. Um, and yeah, that that's that basically. Yeah, so DCY for retro stuff, nineteen ninety seven to two thousand eight, and then the cross players um, for <laughs> for kind of basically all gaming, any gaming that you want to talk about is what we will discuss. So yeah, cool. Okay, that's awesome. Um, like I said at the, the the start, we'll we'll include in the full show notes. So press through on your podcatcher, whatever you're listening on, uh, to head over to wafflingtailers.rocks and check out the full show notes. And we'll make sure to put, excuse me, a link to the Kickstarter preview, and then I'll change that when Kickstarter goes live. And uh, yeah, so definitely check that out. And obviously, we'll put links to DCY and Cross Players. I even paused. You can hardly even tell. Professional zing. No, um, you, you could hear the cogs working when said that. Mm-hmm. momentarily. But yeah, um, so yeah, uh, thank you ever so much, Andrew, for being on the show. Have you got any like Thanks. socials and websites you want to call out specifically? I know that you're on Twitter, but is that? Uh, yeah, I mean, 
that's kind of my main place. Uh, so at Oddment84 on Twitter. Um, yeah, I just seem to have adopted it as the place that I do everything now. I'm, I'm not a huge fan of Facebook, um, but I am on like the Dream, uh, Dreamcast Years is on there. Um, but yeah, Twitter is my main place that you'll find me. And obviously then you can find uh, Dreamcast Years at Dreamcast Years and the Crossplayers at the Crossplayers. Try to keep it as simple as possible. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, okay. So like I said, we'll, we'll put loads of links to those and we'll make sure to put the link to the preview for the Kickstarter and then swap that over for the live when it, as soon as I notice it goes, that it goes live, but we'll, uh, hopefully do that in time for when it kicks off. Um, is it, is it a time specific thing? So we've talked about the, the Kickstarter. Does it start as at a specific time? I know it's the, it's the 27th of July it starts. Uh, 28th. 28th. So it's the 28th it starts. I'm, I'm looking. So it's, this is this there's a realities of Kickstarter. Like Kickstarter looks really cool and like you know you like that you always think about having like massive teams of people behind it and like you know whiteboards and people writing things and planning ahead. It's literally just me and I've had to plan it around my my shifts at work. And I'm like, when will I be off? When can I launch where I can actually sit here and make sure that everything goes okay? So I was like, it was going to be the 27th actually. It's weird that you say that. It was going to be the 27th and then I realised I was working a shift and I was like, oh, no. oh, crap. so I was like, 28th, 28th will do. So yeah, 28th um, and it runs for 30 days. So it'll finish on the 27th of August. Um, and yeah, so if you don't manage to back it in time, um, or if you can't use, because you can only use card payments on Kickstarter, we will then be using a um, a backer management program um, site called Crowdox, um, and you can then come on afterwards and you can um, use PayPal to to buy the book. So if you miss out, it won't be the only chance that you get. But the the higher tiers, the stuff with the mini disc, the stuff where you can write in the book, that will just be on Kickstarter. We won't have that afterwards. Um, but if you want the book, if you want the reprint of the first book, then don't worry if you miss the Kickstarter because you'll be you'll have the opportunity to buy it later. Excellent. I'll I'll certainly get it. I'll I'll look for the little thing where it says blue singers like yeah. chicken pox. I'll be looking out for that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely be backing it looking out. Just that one thing. Oh look there I am. Yeah. I'll be looking out for that. Oh dear! There we go. I'm gonna, have to, I'm gonna have to remember this and write it down now and just put it in there, just to, just so you can have that moment where you go ah! <laughs> published, published. That's it. We'll go on I'm yeah. a published writer. <laughs> I I I uh, compared a game to Chicken Pox. Life goal achieved. You know. That's it. Tick bucket list done. <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Well, like I said earlier, Andrew, thank you ever so much for being on the show. I, awesome. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah. Oh, Best of luck for the for the new Kickstarter for the book and all of the myriad podcasts. I think I think we you and I are now vying for yes. the, the complete number of podcasts we've created between <laughs> us. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a joke whenever on um, the crossplays, it's a joke that I have so many, like every time that we come up with a new topic of something, they go, oh, Andrew will create a podcast about that. You know, like just <laughs> the glue thing. They'll, they'll they'll come up with a name for a, a podcast themed around glue uh, hosted by Andrew Dickinson. Um, <laughs> Coming unstuck. There you go. <laughs> hey, <laughs> don't encourage him. Please don't encourage him. <laughs> oh dear oh my goodness yeah that's it <laughs> but yeah like i said thank you ever so much i know that you're a, a super busy person and the day that we're recording is your free day so uh, <laughs> i really appreciate that you spent almost two hours with us talking away about uh, dreamcast when you could have been chilling out good way or... to spend two hours oh well that's true talking about dreamcast <laughs> is a good way to spend two hours mm. 
<laughs> thank you ever so much, Andrew. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, like I said, best of, best of luck with the book. And uh, I'll, uh, Scridger said he's got it back. I know I'm definitely. I'm going to gonna look out for my section about chicken pox. Don't know which level. <laughs> Maybe I'll see if Ooh, I can pitch yeah. a game um, a recollection or whatever it was that he said it was. Retrospective. See if I can pitch one of those. I'm not sure. But um, I'm definitely mm-hmm. going to be getting the mini this one because that will be another excuse to get mm-hmm. a mini this player, right? I'm sure that my girlfriend won't be happy with the amount of tech I just have <laughs> laying around. But you know, we'll, just line we'll, the walls with it. Yeah. That's something she doesn't have to know about. <laughs> if you just play a small, yeah, stash it in my pocket. Yeah, yeah. Just I, hide I, it. I, hide honestly, it in, I think I, yeah. in the cupboards. Yeah, no, nobody will ever look there. I have this effect on people. Apparently, I just get people to buy new. Like I've been like last night. I was talking about Xbox One, and um, the guy who I mentioned earlier, Ben, who's now buying a PS4. Um, I was basically trying to sell him on a, on a on an Xbox, and he's not even got the PS4 yet. And I was like, but Game Pass, like you could buy, you could get Game Pass and you've got like all these indie games and you're only paying like so much a month. And he was like, actually really considering it. I'm so bad. At, uh, so basically I'm making people buy mini disc players. I'm making people buy Xboxes. If you, if you value your money, don't ask, <laughs> don't come to me and ask for advice about buying things because I'll just tell you to buy it. So, so what you're saying is you're the little devil on someone's shoulder saying, go for it. Go on. Go on. Exactly. Yeah. 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 The number one podcast boss. influencer. That's what you say. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say, I'll create a podcast where I'm a devil on the shoulder and convince people to do it, you know. So and it's I just called Have a Go. For that. Uh, just just have a go. See what happens. Oh, yeah. I've just, just see what happens. I'm now. doing it again now. I'm I'm setting you off. What am I doing? <laughs> I just looked it up now, right? The, the the mini display that I used to have, just a little bonus to throw on the end of the episode, was an a Sony MZ N seven one zero in blue. So I'm gonna have to get one of those. I'm gonna have to. Yeah. And I can, have you seen I can, what you've I done? That as well, actually. Have you seen yeah, what you've well, done, Andrew? You know, have you seen what you've done? I'm the not... next thing is you'll be getting a hi-fi with mini disc built in because that's what I'm about to do. I'm going to buy an old hi-fi with mini disc built into it. <laughs> so... Don't stop. I am not going to lie. Right, I'm not going to lie. I'm looking at eBay now, and there's one buy it now for seventy quid, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> maybe it oh you're proud of yourself thing. Andrew it just has a bit of a scratch <laughs> I'm very proud of myself this is what I do <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I've done it live on an episode of a podcast that's, that's <laughs> <Yeah>. first <laughs> that's it we'll have to do a catch up episode where I tell you about all of the mini discs that I've burnt yes <laughs> <laughs> that's it mini disc podcast you oh, and the no. drink Barbara and me that's it sorted <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> another one I've said it See if we can get sponsorship from Sony and get some Japanese yep. people on to talk about how they use them as dictaphones. I can attempt to translate. That's it. Sorted. <laughs> it's, it's a loop. You're, you're encouraging each other. It's a loop I've got to try and break now. So I'll end up yeah, editing yeah. the damn thing. <laughs> Basically, we can never be on a podcast, just the two of us, because it'll just turn into like us going onto eBay and looking at things that we've been talking about and buying them on the spot. So exactly. it'll, it'll start off as one idea in the middle of a whiteboard and you'll just go to other stuff. There's another podcast. There's another podcast. There's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. My goodness. But anyway, yes, I'm going to let you go now, Andrew, because you've been with us for almost two hours and you've got to, you've got to shoot off a, a soon, I know, because you've got some things planned. So, but yes, mm-hmm. thank you ever so much for joining us. And uh, yeah, awesome. we'll, we'll catch you again soon. Hopefully, maybe we yes. can do a catch up episode for when Dreamcast year, Years Book 3 goes to Kickstarter. Yes. I don't know. But yeah, awesome. maybe even we can catch up just before Dreamcast Book 2 comes out. I don't know. We'll see what the future holds. Yeah. And and seems that you're seems that you're trying to influence people and stuff. I'll I'll try and shove it in there. Maybe you could even have us have us on one of the Dreamcast or Crossplays. Oh, no, well, wink, yes. wink. 
No, 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 yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, that would be awesome. We'll uh, we'll have to arrange that. It's uh, literally we we put a, a, like a two minute episode out because we haven't released a DCY episode for ages, and we didn't want people to think we just gone. Um, so we're we're still making stuff, but yeah, at some point in the near future, we'll definitely have to get you on to one of the episodes for sure. Hey, awesome, awesome. <laughs> well, awesome. Well, like I said, Andrew, thank you ever so much. And uh, yeah, thank you ever so much, everyone, for listening to another episode of The Waffling Tailors. Make sure you click through to see the full show notes. And if you want to get in touch with us, uh, Facebook and Twitter, just search for Waffling Tailors. Our details completely open. You want to send us a message, you want to send us a, a status or a tweet or whatever, we'll totally read them and they may even get read out on the podcast. We've even got a contact us page. I think it's wafflingtailors.rocks for us. That's contact us. I built the website, so I should know, but mm-hmm. I'm pointing out how, uh, how much of an idiot I am by not knowing in advance. But there you go. Um, but yes, thank you ever so much, everyone. I'll see you again real soon. See you later, Squidgy. See you later, Squidgy. See you later, Andrew. See you later, Andrew. Bye. Bye. See you later. Intro music is Among the Stars by Muse Station Productions. Outro music is I Need You Watashi no Sabate by GH. Spoiler break music is Spectrum Subdiffusion Mix by Phonics. Palette cleanser music is Breathe Deep, Breathe Clear by Siobhan Dagay. See the show notes for more details. The Waffling Tailors podcast is a proud member of the J&J Media Network. To find out more about J&J Media, head over to jayandjay.media or check the show notes for a link.